There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. Hey, I'm Tyler. And I'm KC. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's going on, all my woods people? Casey and I are hiding out in the darkness, in the AC, away from Texas heat that is going on outside right now, and humidity. It is crazy out there right now, but uh, we had a little cold front, so we're it's not. Right. It's not as bad as it was last week. But no, last week was bad. Bad. It's a sweat fest out there right now. Um, it is. Um, so anyway, we've got a Q and A podcast coming at you. This is backed by popular demand. But first, got a couple of announcements to make. We are in the Olympics right now. Casey and I. <laughs> this is Olympics time. World records are being set. Actually, in the four hundred meter hurdles. I've watched the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Four people have set world records. The problem is only two of them could be world records. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so I didn't know the men's did that too. I didn't realize Sydney yeah. McLaughlin and the other American uh, Muhammad, whatever her first name is, mm-hmm. they both set world record times. But Sydney's counts because it's the it's faster. faster of the two. <laughs> yeah, how wild is that? Oh, dude? I would be so sick, man. If that was me. But it's kind of a cool story, though. Oh, still, it's awesome. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, then the same thing happened with. Uh, some some dude from like the Netherlands or something, and then our guy uh, USA dude went in the four hundred meter men's. But uh, it was very impressive. I love I love watching those races, man. And and uh, you know, there's some new world records in that. There's also a uh, fairly new world record in the whitetail world that's been around for the last couple of years. It was set in Illinois by a guy named Luke Brewster, and it's like a three twenty seven. Ridiculous, ridiculous looking weirdo with like a bat wing on one side. Yeah, and uh, we just did a map scout challenge video that is done in the same county he killed that buck in, probably not too far from where he killed that buck. And uh, it is on a piece of public land, and it was 
awesome. Like, man, really, really cool property to scout. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, and a lot of you are because it's been well-received so far, go check it out. That's right. Mascot Challenge is back, guys. It's back, We had it 2020. is awesome. The first one just released just... A couple days ago, so go check yep. that out for sure. It's a, it actually was a lot of fun, and uh, as they get going, there's even going to be some more fun ones as well. Yes, we have some pretty cool trail camera stuff to show y'all from some of these other states. Yes, so, we uh, do. Subscribe if you haven't yet. I know we say that all the time, but it helps us out a ton. So uh, if you're a common listener and you haven't checked us out on YouTube very much, you should go do that. What because, is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, we're actually going to go live on youtube and do some questions some q a stuff here in just a little bit so you actually went live on youtube the other day mm-hmm. and got some of these yes and so uh, we're going to go through those we're going to go through some of the q a stuff that we got on social media and other places we've been asked questions and then we're going to go live on youtube and do a live q a there as well at the end of this um and just kind of take questions and stuff like that so yeah. uh you won't be able to join that because you are listening here. <laughs> so we have a little bit of a inception thing going on, but be ready for next time. So it's if like, we are ready, <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Let's I'm do ready. this. Okay. Tyler, so I have a question for you. Yeah. Do y'all see good numbers of four and a half year old deer on Texas public? Where'd you get this question? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this came from YouTube uh, the other day when I was on a few weeks back. Um, no. Would be the answer. I don't good know if we numbers get f- is, good numbers of four and a halfs anywhere in the country. Yeah, it's really. pretty relative. I, I guess it is relative. And when you're hunting public land, it's real hard to say what's a four and a half year old deer, anyways. But mm-hmm. I would say in Texas, relative to other states we hunt, the age class is not quite as good. Yeah, That's, yeah, that'd be my answer. I, I, uh, we kind of hold out most of the time for like three and a half or mm-hmm. bigger in a lot of states. <laughs> really legal or bigger in Texas. Yeah. yeah. In, in Texas, it's different a little bit. In South Dakota, it's different, you know, because we just are a long ways from home. We want to have fun and we mm-hmm. want to shoot grouse and stuff. That's right. At least this year we <laughs> That's do. Right. So, uh, yeah, I would say that we don't really see like a ton anywhere in my opinion, I think it's a pretty rare deer, and I think you should be very proud if you shoot one that's four and a half years old mm-hmm. on private or public. And, uh, yeah, um, we see um, considerably more three and a half and under bucks mm-hmm. than we do four and a half and older. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, this guy, though, I remember he actually feels like they see quite a few where he's at. So, good mm, good deal, Mr. man. Mr. Guy. He's found a honey hole, that's apparently. That's cool. Um, do you all put in for Texas W. Mace, Casey? I have. Yeah. In the past. Yeah. Yeah. I would suggest not How putting specific in this do you year. Want to, that's a good <laughs> idea. Y'all shouldn't put in for sure. That deadline, I think it's already over. Yeah. At least yeah. maybe some. No, I, I think uh, there's some, <clears throat> some decent opportunity in Texas draws. The problem with Texas draws is that the odds are astronomically low. So uh, somebody has yeah. to win, though. Yeah. And also, another problem is the statistics aren't very accurate. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the, a lot of the, the success statistics are put in by the biologist of that property. So he wants them to look the best as possible. So mm-hmm. like if you can kill hogs as like a side product of that hunt and yeah. you kill one, he might say hundred percent success. Well, it doesn't show doe, buck, Mm-mm. coyote, whatever. Mm-mm. It just says success rate. Yeah. So like you may end up going to a place that really didn't have many deer, but has some hogs and it looks like high success. So it's, it's not to deter you, but just do your, do your homework if mm-hmm. you're going to do that. Um, what's your favorite state to hunt in? I said Alaska will go jokingly. I haven't hunted there, but I would really like to. So <laughs> it would be. I, I would probably still stick with that. I mean, I, yeah. I think that the the uh, the fields are ready for harvest in Alaska for sure. Uh, if you want to talk about something that I have hunted, mm-hmm. 
So I'm going to say um, that there's to make some of our um, more uh, yuppie friends happy. There's a difference in hunting and killing. Okay. Mm. So uh, mm. I like to kill in Kansas, but I like to hunt in South Dakota. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. That's good. I um, I have a lot of history in Kansas. I've been mm-hmm. hunting there for about 15 years. So it's hard for me not to go up there and just get nostalgic and just, mm-hmm. even if I don't kill a deer, just enjoy being up there and enjoy chasing deer. I'd say that probably edges out everything else, but honestly, I love hunting Texas, man. Yeah, it's pretty it's, cool. It's tough. And mm-hmm. I haven't had a whole lot of success in Texas, a little bit here and there, but, um, I don't know. It's a vast state with a lot of different eco regions. Two public land deer in two years in Texas. Finally. That's right. Finally. Finally, it's right. Only took several more That's years right. to learn how to do that. That's right. Uh, uh, are you going elk hunting this year? I'm not. Are you? I don't think I am. <laughs> okay. We just looked at some pricing while ago and said, nope, that's a rich man's sport. $12,500? <laughs> they get you a spike? Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, so I don't no. think I'll think yeah, I mean, I, I would pay twelve five for a spike or a 400 So That's right. Right. Yeah, you can't. You can't it doesn't put, matter. Yeah. It shouldn't matter. Antler saw shouldn't matter to you at all. <laughs> Uh, what's the worst trail camera you've ever used? Man, this is a good way to not get sponsored. That's right. Uh, I, I'm going to say something different than what I think you're going to say. Uh-huh. Um, there was a really awesome stealth cam we used for a couple of years that uh-huh. was like $25 or something uh-huh. stupid. And then we tried to get some more of them because it was so good, and we got a different, like, newer model, mm-hmm. and it was terrible. Yeah. Um, it's so weird that, how that works. That might be. It might be, but I've had some pretty bad camera experience. We've used those... Uh, wild game innovations, uh, Terras or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. um, a lot, and they were real terrible too. It just terrible, terrible for <laughs> sure. There's nothing that like it just was just not user friendly and not good pictures. And now y'all know we use Moultries and uh, really, really like. We actually been looking at some Moultrie pictures today from a video that's coming out. Man, that's, they uh, take good pics. Man. They do, man. That's the deltas <clears throat> and those um, a series, not, yeah, a nine hundreds, yep. Which you buy as a bundle for pretty cheap, man, and that's that's why we've used some bad trail cameras because we we are cheap, cheap people. We do not <laughs> like to spend money on stuff because I'd rather have a volume and as opposed to like one good one. Because like, mm-hmm. honestly, if you're running one trail camera on like Texas public land, you're running zero trail cameras. You know, like because you just <laughs> it's not going to do you anything except like Get just lucky. make you want to go to this one spot. It's and, true. That's true. Very true. So, I mean, one trail camera is pretty okay for a lot of dudes hunting smaller private property mm-hmm. i think but outside of that yeah it's definitely for us with as much as we hunt different big acreages and stuff mm-hmm. definitely helps to have a lot and so we try to do that yeah. um this next one's probably uh more for you because i haven't hunted there yet so best tip for hunting illinois let me tell you all this i went and i hunted two hours in illinois and i killed a big old deer <laughs> so i'm an expert <laughs> um I man, best tip for hunting Illinois. I would say this kind of goes for across the Midwest, and mm-hmm. Casey probably agrees with this. Uh, cold front in late October, in my yeah. experience, is pretty good, pretty hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think you could just hunt in the rut, and deer are just nuts. Yeah, in the in the Midwest, in the in the rut. So. And probably this probably depends. So as a guy who scouted there but not hunted, but intends to this year, um, I think that giving yourself ample time would probably be a good thing if you're not from that state. You know, because mm-hmm. one of the things with these big buck states is that um, you don't want to go and just 
if you're going to make the commitment to spend a ton of money on a tag in a place like that, you don't want to go and just be like, all right, I got four days to make it happen. Because mm-hmm. then you're not going to kill a big deer if that's your intent. You know, or yeah. you could, like, because you did it in two hours. But um, I think giving it the time will pay off. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, if you do go into the rut, I think you can't go wrong. If mm-hmm. you're in that early November time period, I would say that sitting in some type of a funnel mm-hmm. would be very good. I mean, honestly, I set, I walked between two fields on basically mm-hmm. a <clears throat> 10-yard fence row and found a shed this year during the spring. So deer use those travel corridors yeah. like that. You and know? I think that's another thing that you could take across pretty much anywhere uh, is don't assume that big woods mean deer habitat. Illinois probably is a really good example of that. Like, you know, if you can find some of that, that you know, tall grass stuff or whatever, I know there's a lot of national forest and stuff, so it's kind of hard to do. But if you can find that, mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah. Um, what do you do for a living to be able to have so much time off? All the things. Uh, <laughs> but uh, pretty much just make sure you're self-employed. Yeah. Uh, and it's I a think, lifestyle choice. Yeah, really, it really right? is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like, so... I'm pretty much self-employed. I work for the church some and then I do some construction stuff and then we do element stuff. And, you know, and if y'all are uh, listeners or followers of ours, you know that like now we do have partnerships and we do get some money for some stuff. Uh, we actually don't really pocket any of that, at least not yet, because we're just, the yeah, that's right. we're just trying to grow this thing and make sure that <laughs> we're doing our best for y'all. But, um, and then, you know, marrying an understanding woman is probably the biggest thing that I could uh, say I do for a living. <laughs> oh, I was saying, you are saying that's what you could find. But yeah, yeah no, that's uh, that's about it, man. I mean, try to put the ends together at some point. But having, um, you know, ideally, like, or, you know, just tra- full transparency, I would I would love for my wife not to be able to or not to have to work some someday, you know. But um as of right now, she's pretty much supporting most of this house and everything else that's going on, you know, and I'm doing some weddings where yeah, I can. You were trying to get out of weddings, and now uh, you've just brought me into doing them with you. Instead, now we're so. a team, <laughs> team element weddings. That's right. Give us an opportunity to roadcast <laughs> whenever we're on our way to a wedding. For real, yeah. So uh, that's kind of, I mean, really, we, are, we, we, have a, um, we have started to uh, be able to help finance all of this, ha- this hobby that we've got with the elements partners and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have some really good partners that we totally believe in their products. We're not bringing any of the, you know, stuff that we don't feel is good into the mix. And we use these products and like, them. I think so. I feel better this year than I ever have. Me too. And we have more partners than we ever had mm-hmm. too. So it's, it's kind of nice. Yeah, um, for sure. Tyler, what part of Texas do you find the most success in? Because this guy just moved to Texas and is struggling to find success. Um, I think the part with the deer in it. That's right. Um, so this, you might have a little more insight because you wrote this down, but it doesn't say anything relative to public land. So I'm not no. going to just straight up assume this is a public land hunter. Yeah, I I, I would assume kind of the same thing. Um, you know, for me, if you're looking at deer numbers and places to go shoot deer, uh, just period, the hill country, I mean, people don't like driving at night down there yeah. and they all have ranch hands. Well, it's, it's Kerr County and Llano County that kind of fight back and forth between the highest deer densities, right? Probably. So if you could find you a, um, a reasonable season lease down there mm-hmm. when I'm, I'll throw out a number, I think reasonable is going to be $3,500 and up nowadays mm-hmm. for season leases. You can fill all five deer tags in one County. Yeah. You know, they, they just uh, shoot a five deer. There's a bunch of deer down in the brush country too. But, yeah, I mean you're looking at way more than thirty five hundred yeah, in gets most more cases. Further um, down there, 
but I, I would say if you're looking for trophy class that South Texas area is also really good just if you can afford it you know but mm-hmm. um, you know there's we, we hunt a lot of east and north Texas because that's where we kind of live mm-hmm. and um, I would say that there are places to kill deer um, you just kind of got to do some research and be willing to fork over some money or just uh, you know you can do what we talked about earlier and put in for Texas WMAs and try to draw a good mm-hmm. hunt somewhere where you know you know people are talking about it being a good hunt yeah. so. i'll tell you all this that well, i don't want to go too detailed on some of the the draw stuff but there are some wildlife refuge hunts that i think actually are pretty good mm-hmm. success rates mm-hmm. so check into that if you're trying to hunt some public and, and see if you and they're not super hard to draw um, for sure just moved to va which is virginia not uh, veteran affairs not a veteran affairs i don't think <laughs> Uh, no one would move there. Uh, first time hunting the hill country. Uh, so this is not the Texas hill country, which we were just referring to, but mm-hmm. the VA hill country, which I assume what we call hill country is not what most of the nation calls hill country. Mm-hmm. Most of the nation calls hill country like that stuff we're in in Pennsylvania or like, kind of like a driftless area stuff where it's like Pretty big steep. ridges and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, have been map scouting on benches and habitat transitions. Ooh, good stuff. What tip do you have for when I get boots on the ground? Um, we actually did a podcast on this recently that released maybe three weeks ago, and it talks about relating your map scouting to your boot scouting. Mm. And Casey has a lot of really good tips because he's really good at seeing stuff when he gets on the ground, um, talking about where to put your eyes so that you do see the most sign, mm-hmm. um, things to look for, things that stick out like broken branches um, around, you know, edges. That means probably there's a scrape underneath it, um, things like that. So That's uh, in our public pins thing we're doing with yep. Onyx, right? Yep. So, yeah, what we did in that podcast is it was kind of <clears> like the intro to the public pins uh, so we talked about the Onyx map, uh, kind of in an audio version and talked about like what we're looking for, like you're saying here, where you pull up Onyx and you can, you know, kind of tell where the benches are with the topo lines. And then with the aerial view, you can see the habitat transitions. And then we, there's episode one of public pen. So we talked about how to, uh, convert that into the boot scout, right. Mm-hmm. And, and what that looks like. And then I think, uh, we did the map scout challenge stuff in Pennsylvania, which is going to come out soon, which is kind of the uh, fruition of yeah, this all happening. For sure. We had, we actually were on benches and mm-hmm. found habitat transitions close by that had like crazy rubs. Mm-hmm. And so I think like you're talking about these two different um, uh, features here. And I talk about this a lot, but like finding where more than one thing comes together, like it's good to go up into a saddle in hill country and try to find some sign, right? But if you can go up into a saddle where um, um, there are white oaks in mm-hmm. it and maybe a bench on one side of it or something like that, and you've got three things coming together that, that would draw deer in you know late October, that is a place that you can really focus. So mm-hmm. I think just once you get on the ground, try to pull together as many things as you can, like thick, you know, thick areas, low spots, whatever, you know, that you can kind of pull together as a, you know, multifunctional purpose mm-hmm. place. So, um, can you expect to kill a deer on scrapes in Iowa, KC in late October, since you're going there next year? I don't know if you can expect to kill one, but I, you can expect that to be a good spot. In fact, <laughs> um, you and I were going through these earlier and we decided that in fact, that's probably the best scenario. <laughs> There's nothing really more predictable than uh, late October scrape action. I mm-hmm. would say, you know, like that's before, 
bucks go wild so if you are running trail cameras Mm -hmm. like and you have some deer on camera probably up until october 29th or so like there's a good time to hunt those scrapes, and even during the rut, you know, but, like, there's a good chance that if he's on camera, he's still around to come check that scrape, you know, in late October, yeah. so. I think you make a good point there. The We didn't talk about this earlier, but late October over a scrape is a lot more of a sure thing if you've got a trail camera involved, mm-hmm. I think. I think that um, if you're just going to go where you found a scrape six months ago mm-hmm. and try to hunt it, then it may not be. Which part of Tawakini? would you say is best let's like, explain what that is for some I people like the w between the two a's right there it looks kind of cool uh, uh linda's Taywalk. nook is a good place uh, if can you count luigi's because that's my favorite uh i think you definitely could okay I for taco sure. bell i mean honestly that taco bell is a letdown sometimes yeah you know we talked about water burger is pretty good there though yeah, it is that's right yeah but, I actually shot a bunch of carp up there north of quinlan one time <laughs> i shot a bunch of carp and gar at the uh the bridge before two mile, mm-hmm. whatever that one's mm-hmm. called. That's a real shallow. Yeah. Right there. Got a bunch of little uh, talking. He's a WMA locally here in East Texas. Um, I don't know what the best hunting part of that is because, uh, you just need to lock your truck is all I have to say. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite venison recipe besides fried backstrap? In fact, you made fried backstrap for us the other mm. night over here and it was so good. So Why I don't even know do what it any say. other way. I know. Um, but what is yours? I have a recipe that I do, um, and I'm not trying to uh, plug anybody here, but it's just the fact of the matter. Hank Shaw um, has a book called Buck Buck Moose that has a recipe, which I think you can find online for free, um, that is like a Chinese uh, cumin leeks stir fry kind of recipe. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. It's so Man, good. Dude. I thought you were going to say that tomatoey one that you do from, isn't that from that, or is that from Meteor? I haven't done any of the meteor ones yet. Actually, I need to grab that book out of storage. Oh, I had. Oh, do you have it too? Yeah, yeah. we both have that one. Yep. Um, but um, you, which, you know which one I'm talking about? You used to do a tomato based one, kind of. That I do a turkey you, one. That's a tomato. Maybe that's what I'm thinking yeah, about. That yeah, one's yeah. good. That one's real good for sure. Uh, so mine. I know what you're gonna say. Do you? I think I don't know if I know what I'm gonna say. I do like barbacoa a whole lot. Is that what Dude, you thought no, I was going to say? No, that's not. But like that is probably the one I do the most. If you uh, here's the deal, uh, this might not be something you'd want to do in a CWD area because nobody really knows about CWD yet if it's like a human issue or not. But if you're not in a CWD area, take a neck roast with a bone in and do a barbacoa in the crock pot with it. And it is so good because mm. you just get all that gelatinous stuff yeah. as well. Like, don't do that with just, like, a cut of meat or something. You can, but barbacoa is way better with some uh, sinew and stuff mm. like that in it. Yeah, so I, do do, I do the barbacoa out of the shanks a lot. Mm-hmm. And with some, I mean, it's so simple. It's olive oil and onions and some peppers and, you know, garlic. Mm-hmm. And, man, it's just, it just, you can put, you can make uh, barbecue sandwiches out of it or mm. you can make tacos mm-hmm. or whatever, all you know. Of it. So, it's quesadillas. quesadillas. Quesadillas are big hit at my house. My wife really likes quesadillas. My wife, I mean, they're good. I yeah. love quesadilla, but my wife, my wife makes them quite a bit too because they're kind of easy, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just nice when you've been coaching volleyball all day to just make a quesadilla real quick. You know, <laughs> nothing like some hot cheese to make things better. <laughs> Man, hot cheese and butter. Uh, so, what's the upcoming element season look like? Success. Ooh, oh, did I say it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, 
Oh, what do we say? 18 deer? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we did a total actually here a while back. Yeah. Didn't we say over and under is 13 deer between the I crew? think we said like 18. Did we say 18? But okay. there's five of us, you know, yeah. so I don't know. That's just like, that's kind of us just have, having a pump fest. We didn't you know? count you, Dan. No. Uh, so <laughs> um, we are... We're going to start early season stuff in maybe Nebraska, um, South Dakota, and then from there, it starts to get a little less um, kind of what's going to happen or what, because there's so many options, right? Because mm-hmm. deer starts opening up in October. And so um, we'd like to be in the Midwest in late October, maybe doing mm-hmm. the scrape thing, but I just don't know if we got enough cameras to keep an eye on scrapes where we want them and stuff and if that's going to happen for sure. Um, and then once Kansas hits or November hits, Kansas is probably a for pretty for sure thing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Texas as well, like mid, mid, well, really my property here lit up at like on November 1st, just about, I mean, it was like, that's when new bucks started showing yeah. up. So, but like the rut typically around here for us is mid November. Mm-hmm. Um, so 13th to the 17th was hot at my property. Yeah. Uh, we so. actually have, I think we have more pictures on public land, um, within a few hours of the house, at least, um, that are on like November 14th mm-hmm. than like any other day. It's a good day, man. Yeah. We definitely need to be somewhere on the 14th. But I think yeah. last year, what was going, were we recovering from COVID on the 14th? Is that kind of what was going we were on? Reco- we came back from Kansas on like the 10th, the 10th or the 11th. And I saw the buck that I shot on the 12th going nuts. Yeah. And I decided not to hunt cause I had COVID. And I was like, ah, I'm just going to take it easy this morning Woke up and drove up the hill, and there he was going crazy <laughs> in front of my stand, you know? Yeah. And um, and then the – I don't remember exactly. I, I just went to hunting, basically, mm-hmm. and then you went to Kansas late and killed your buck. So on the yeah. 14th – it was like a week after the 14th when you killed your buck in Kansas. Yeah. I think so. I went up there on the 20th or something like that. Killed on the 23rd. So anyways, that's not really part of the question you asked. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Basically, once we get to November, it's just like wherever we've got tags. Yeah, and we fill as many tags as we can. If we get some filled, we might buy some more OTC stuff somewhere. Yeah. Who knows? Um, Did you get your recurve fixed? No. No, it's pretty much unfixable. I don't have a bow right now, really, to shoot. (laughs) I know. I shot one the other day. That's my. It's the one I shot the last two years, and it shoots great, but like – some cam lean and some things that mm-hmm. need to be fixed, and we've we've talked about it. We've we're thinking we we're going to get some bows, yeah. but I don't know if they're going to get here in time because if we do go early season, we're going to be heading out like twenty five days. So mm-hmm. twenty, I mean, basically, yeah, a little over three weeks. So yeah. we need to uh, probably go ahead and dial our bows in, yeah. which we're we thinking need, was going to happen. We need them to get here in time for us to shoot enough to get the string settled. And don't ever listen to anybody in the world that tells you that that's not a thing because it's still it's always a thing. Mm-hmm. All right, you got to shoot your bow like two hundred times, and then enough time to like feel good about it, you know. So, yep. uh, which like right now, I've shot a little bit, but not much because I don't have a good string, which also I have to address. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, this is mm-hmm. not fun. Pretty much, uh, if you think you want to be like some type of an influencer to get some free stuff at some point in time, <laughs> don't don't even no, don't even just do work it. and just, have more yeah, money than we do. Way way better. Um, are you on Lake Whitney? Uh, which one? In, which lake is that? Uh, it's uh, it's uh, not Lake Houston, not Lake Whitney Houston. Oh, it's in Texas. Lake Whitney. I got you. It's yeah. in Texas. Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. But we did like what we saw there in the Map Scout Challenge. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, speaking of the Map Scout Challenge, this guy wants to know if we can do a map scouting series. We can and do. 
And we have. <laughs> we have. <laughs> Can and do and have uh, and will. Yeah, that's uh, on our playlist uh, <laughs> called the Map Scout Challenge. It's on our playlist on YouTube. Thanks for asking, man. Um, I understand that sometimes, you know, we hate to like, we kind of get in this place where we're like, oh, we posted about it. Let's not burn everybody out on this, right? Mm-hmm. But like, for some reason, I think most of you probably understand this whole censorship thing that's going on on social media right now. But for some reason, a lot of our stuff does not show to everybody that subscribes to us. So, um, ain't that anyway, a shame? <laughs> if you have subscribed, guy, and you have not seen the Map Scout series that we have, I'm sorry, I can't help that. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you haven't, then subscribe. So, with that. Now what we are going to do is we're going to go live on YouTube and give people an opportunity to ask some questions, but we've also got a lot of questions that have not been answered on the YouTube video and that we're going to continue on here in this Q&A with, so let's hop on that real quick. Going live. What's happening, all the peeps? Hey, peeps. Peoples. Peoples everywhere. Welcome to the Element YouTube channel. All right, so yeah. this is a live Q&A. Um, oh, we on need to YouTube. pull up the little questions too, don't we? Oh yeah, it's. I think they'll come up right here, right? Well, don't we have some to read? Oh, well, the questions. Yeah, they're over here. I'll get them. Um, so we're gonna do this in case you're just now logging into this live feed. We're gonna do this uh, on the podcast this week, but we figured we'd give you guys an opportunity to um, ask some questions. That could be on this podcast this week, on this live event. Yeah. So, so hit us up if you have more questions. Yeah, and we've got but questions here to answer. We're going to answer some for y'all on the uh, on the feed here. So oh, um, first one that we would like to answer for the YouTube community, um, thoughts on fitness for hunting, Tyler? <clears throat> oh, man. Um, I am trying to get more fit right now, actually. Mm. So <clears throat> I've been... Uh, running and doing some uh, squats and doing some body weight push-ups and all kinds of stuff lately. Uh, I've been running quite a bit, doing lunges, just trying to get my legs strengthened, really. And I would say that um, I don't love a lot of times the influencers that uh, try to inspire you <laughs> with uh, making you work out uh, to Nobody be a good hunter. Nobody cares. Work harder. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> I would say uh, it is a good thing, though, the more shape that you can be in, um, the better, because uh, it probably makes your mental capacity better. And mm-hmm. then it also, um, I noticed that like when I, like late in the season, if I go to climb in a tree to hang and it's kind of a rough hang, man, I'll just be like whooped by the time <laughs> I get to Especially after stand. we've killed some stuff and we've been eating cookies. Yes. Uh, my thoughts as well uh, are... I just want to be as light as possible. So right now, I've been working out some, but I'm also kind of just uh, doing what we call starvation diet, but it's uh, probably what you would call intermittent fasting more, where like you just try to eat one meal a day pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, and uh, my wife thinks it's unhealthy, but it's really probably pretty healthy in the way that we're more designed to do stuff. But, yeah, I would say too. Uh, I, so it works, and I, I don't feel bad about it. Right now I'm real hungry. I actually kind of pushed through, though, and I feel a lot better. Uh, for y'all that are on here, really appreciate you following along and submitting some questions. We're going to answer all the YouTube questions that come in during this at the end. So mm-hmm. stick around for that, and then uh, if you actually have to leave early or whatever, this will be on the feed as well. And so, it'll be on a podcast here that's right. tomorrow, so that's you right. can listen to the podcast yeah. as well. Uh, best setup for ground hunting without a blind near bedding. Do you have a uh, hang on what this question is trying to get to? Um, 
I don't really. I think no. I, okay. I just. Uh, I'll just try to go. with I it think then. that. Uh, in general, just try to conceal yourself as much and be downwind of the betting. I, I, I'm guessing this is for buck betting, possibly. So probably try to get between wherever he's trying to hit and where he's you know going, or maybe if it, you can sneak in close enough. You know, get where you can get a shot as soon as he stands up. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know for sure. What do you think? I like not ground hunting near bedding. Um, yeah, I like not you, ground hunting. If you feel like that's the best best choice, and I've been there. I mean, I ground hunted some last year, and I have pretty much every year. But um, you hated it though last year when yeah. you were doing it. You were mad about it. I am. I'm mad about it when I do it. And so um, I I think that. I'm more apt to use a lot of guys like to take sticks and pile them all together, like kind of big wrist size sticks. And I'm more apt to use like smaller things like groundsel bushes and blue stem and like grasses of sorts, switch grasses or whatever you can kind of find around you. That's a little more bushy um, and small because um, I feel like big, like wrist size and bigger forearm size sticks kind of stick out once you put too many of them in one spot, you know what I mean? They stick out. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I agree. I think that honestly, the less disturbance you can make, even if it's natural ground blind, the better. Because uh, imagine, if you will, like if you live in a house, which most of us do, um, you have a bedroom, and when something's out of place in the bedroom, even if it's like the laundry got moved from the bed to the floor, you notice. Yeah. Right. So I would imagine that, especially in bedding, it's a place a deer spending a lot of time. If you go in and manipulate that much at all. Uh, they're going to know mm-hmm. something's up. So you're probably better off just like trying to be real sneaky and find something natural or just rely on your camouflage or being yeah. still because that matters the, more than anything. If you know where the deer's coming from, a big tree could be good. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely, so. man. One of my favorite paintings I've ever seen of outdoor stuff, it's not deer, but it's, but it's turkeys, is a guy <laughs> with a uh, tra- trad bow and he's leaning up behind a tree and there's a gobbler coming this way right here mm-hmm. he's hiding behind that mm-hmm. that's pretty cool Anyways, i love it yeah I love it. uh our boy uh chris carter quincy's brother y'all didn't, yeah y'all didn't know chris carter was actually a hunter yeah he um, is. We've, we've since uh, recently kind of figured this out and that's he's, right. he wants to be a part of this hunting celebrity he's thing. into yeah. it man so uh he says this two-part question because he's trying to kill deer right mm-hmm. he says how do mature bucks use the wind and so how do we use the wind to kill mature bucks? Ooh. I think mature bucks uh, use the wind uh, as much as they can. But I think depending on how familiar they are with certain spots and areas that they are in um, or with the time of year being mm-hmm. the rut, that um, they, pun intended, throw caution, no caution, throw all, uh, however you say it. Throw caution, throw caution to the wind. Throw caution to the wind. No, so like it's. I think that uh, most of the time, uh, when people talk about this jay hooking and stuff, I haven't seen a lot of it. Uh, I'm not saying it didn't happen, yeah. but I think that every deer is different in um, learning the personality traits or just using a trail camera to help figure out how that deer's moving is definitely helpful. But mm-hmm. I mean, like the deer that I ki- I killed a buck last year in Illinois on a scrape. And there was an even bigger deer that came in with him, and neither one of them were walking into the wind. They were walking kind of cross. See, I kind of feel like that, too. I think that, um, not to contradict you and make people completely confused, but I think that deer are more apt to use the wind in the rut, because they're not walking around trying to smell dudes, they're trying to smell does. Yeah. So, there's a lot of times you're going to find deer walking with the wind somehow in the front 90 or 180 degrees of them, 
so that they can smell what's in front of them, not because they're like constantly on edge, which they kind of are, but in the rut, they really dull that down some, but they're trying to find a girlfriend, right? And they can smell them. Whereas like what you're saying, if they're very comfortable, feel very safe, say near bedding, like they're liable to walk out with the wind on their butt, you mm-hmm. know, because they feel good about where they're at. They've yeah. been there for three or four years and they know that they're pretty safe. So I would say in bedding area, like if you're hunting buck near his bed, buck, you're hunting a buck near his bed, <laughs> uh, you know, the wind, you need to definitely just be more mindful of where you're blowing your wind as opposed to what he's going to do because he's probably going to leave there and go find a scrape or find some food. Um, one of the things, this is a good question, so we have a lot to talk about on yeah. this one, I think. But um, I feel like it's a perpendicular a lot of times. I feel like they're walking perpendicular to the wind a lot of times. Like it's coming off of one shoulder? I think like if they're walking this way. Uh-huh. The wind's, the wind's blowing. This yeah, they're way. walking west, and the wind's coming from the north. Yeah, so yeah. checking doe bedding in the rut or mm-hmm. whatever. But like, I, I think of the deer that I shot last year. Several of them, and I, I think the wind was like not even close to an mm-hmm. issue for me. You know. Yeah, uh, and but that's I think that's kind of the thing that we're always thinking too is just like not blowing our wind at the deer more than how they're using it, right? Mm-hmm. So we're just assuming that we're trying to set up downwind of a deer yeah. is more is this kind of is the where the deer coming down. from let's make yeah. sure the wind doesn't blow on them until we can kill them i think about south dakota last year it mm-hmm. was october you know or september 30th through october 4th these deer were moving to food no matter what direction the wind was blowing in the evenings but we needed the specific wind to be able to hunt it without right. spooking them and that didn't happen until the fourth or fifth right yep. yeah yeah so all right that's enough of that one sorry guys that's a good question though chris there's some good questions coming in on youtube too i can't wait yeah. to get to those yeah man for sure uh thank y'all for for cooperating bam said something real funny a while ago yeah. so we'll get to that um <laughs> actually he's uh he's brian on here but we know him as bams um <laughs> What footwear process did you use to keep your feet warm? We both kind of have an issue with this, but you specifically kind of have cold feet. So. Yeah, my feet uh, are pretty long. They're big. And they uh, they get out there where the cold reaches them pretty bad. But um, I, I, tr- I try not to let my feet sweat too much. Uh, rubber boots hold a lot of heat in, it seems like, a lot mm-hmm. of times for me. Um, I've got some... Um, I've used uh, the toe heaters before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really love those, especially when I'm walking a long ways. Um, I don't know. I can't remember how I kept my feet cold I didn't have w- a, warm. I didn't have a problem with it this year because I never hunted any real cold days. I hunted some uh, super cold yeah, days. Yeah, you did up in Kansas. I don't think I ever switched socks. Mm-hmm. Um, just wore big, big, uh, you know, fake wool socks or whatever. That's what I... Uh, I think back to 2019 because I did hunt some cold days, and there's two things that I do. I wear those rubber boots a lot just because I feel like they're pretty warm. Um, but the sock switch thing is a big thing for me. I always bring extra socks because sometimes my feet sweat on the way in, especially if you're walking a good way to so your stand. And then, two, um, if it's real cold, it's good to have ample clothing with you because you can just wrap your feet, like in the boots and everything, just wrap a jacket around your feet. That's and pretty it helps idea. a ton. Yeah. It really, really does. I mean, the insulation is insulation no matter which side of the rubber it's on. So yeah. that helps a lot. Cool. Um, KC, this is a question for you and you mm, only. Which okay. bow, Hoyt or Matthews? Uh, I would say right now, from what I know about this, 
I would say Matthews, but I don't know a ton about the Hoyts. I feel like when Hoyt came out with RX one and the RX three, like that was one of there was those were some of the best bows out at that point in time. Now I think that that V three is is pretty slick, but I would not get the twenty seven. I would not. I would not go that <laughs> that short ATA. But yeah. uh, I don't think I don't know if I would choose either one of those as my like if that was the own or if I had to choose any bow. So that probably wouldn't be what I would go with. There's some good bows out there. Oh yeah, almost every bow out there nowadays is a good bow. Yeah. So don't worry too much about that. Um, buy what shoots best for you. What are y'all looking for with a perfect tree stand location for bucks? Scrapes, plant types, which I'm assuming means like forage. Uh, trails, et cetera, ex- not extension. That's a, that's a correction. That's a correction that the word program did. Um, extension. Um, so the perfect tree stand, um, blows wind. A lot of times for me, I mean, I don't know, perfect tree stand, a good mm-hmm. tree stand blows the wind over a Creek. A lot of times for me, mm-hmm. uh, because, um, that that automatically is going to set down in the creek a lot of times because the water is cooler. So the wind's going to blow towards the creek, and then when it gets in the creek, it's just going to sit in the creek. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, um, that would be a good place and a place that we do a lot of sitting, especially on Texas public. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that the downwind side of a trail a lot of times is a good spot uh, for the perfect trail or a scrape, which he mentions here. Scrapes. Mm-hmm. Um, the perfect tree stand, you know, it just depends on the time of year too, uh, and when what stage the rut is, or what sti- you know, if the rut's over, if it's post rut and they're feeding, you know, I mean, are you on a? Uh, and it depends on the top the place in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could go through all these different variables, so I'm I'm not oh, yeah. going to do that. But um, some of the plant types I like uh, for a tree uh, stand, we like a big oak tree a lot of times. I mean, yeah, because um, they're not too brushy and limmy, so you can. Uh, get up in them fairly easy and you can shoot out of them fairly easy but at the same time they got a few limbs there to kind of break up your outline and stuff and they're big so they look like a you know a person kind of yeah i would say uh more for tree type than than uh species uh there's one tree on a wma that i've hunted before i hope to get back to this year that is pretty crotchety is what we like to call it yeah. so like trees what they do like a bigger more mature tree will tend to have a you know large trunk and then go up to a certain spot and then you know fan out at the top and if you can get to that height and it not be super high like that one is like 18 foot up and i'm telling you you could flip upside down up there and a deer would not see you it (laughs) is just it's impenetrable and it's just perfect for like hunting a saddle because you just put your saddle and your little platform there right the platform is like right at the base of that crotch and you put your saddle tether on one of those limbs and then you've just got like five shooting lanes all the way around you but you still can move around because you have something blocking the deer's view of you Mm -hmm. and it's just bad to the bone yeah i would say plant types um are not super uh, important unless you're hunting a food source like mm-hmm. a persimmon or a white oak or you know a red oak later in the season or, or winter a wheat, you know or, if you're hunting near yeah that's true uh, I guess uh, agricultural source, plant you know, types whatever. yeah so plant types you know being uh, early early season like really September probably is beans and alfalfa and stuff like that alfalfa can last into October winter wheat tends to be better later in the season corn uh, can be good October and November from what I understand. Um, and so, and later if they're still, I feel around. like, uh, not to go too far on this, but alfalfa is probably the most underrated 
agriculture type for deer mm-hmm. because no one talks about <clears throat> corner beans, corner beans, dude. Alfalfa's it. It's pretty good stuff. We got man. A, we got a camera on alfalfa right now, and it's blowing up with some pretty good deer. So Ohio. that's what I have to say. Uh, so. Um, Early October in Illinois. What are you looking for? Monster bucks. Yeah, monster bucks. Gigantic deer. <laughs> Giant deer. We haven't hunted early October in Illinois, but we have an associate there. Our uh, good buddy, Eric Gentry, who's going to be with us a ton this year running camera. He has hunted early 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 October in Illinois a lot. And he says that uh, that's when you're going to have the transition <clears throat> from beans to acorns. And it's, or he probably says acorns. Acorns. Um, <laughs> But uh, that's a fast thing to happen. World's closed. That's right. <laughs> that's a, as he said. It's like it's a quick transition. So I would just from the knowledge that I have from other people, I would say, you know, be ready for that acorn drop. Yeah. So maybe uh, hang trail cameras there before October, mm-hmm. and then especially if it's like a cell camera, you could probably pick up some deer there early on, moving to the oaks. Yeah. Um, let's see. KC, mm-hmm. compare Texas public to other public you've hunted. Hard. Uh, <laughs> I say this a lot, and I don't. I don't mean to to sound uh, like everybody else in the country, but I do. Uh, <laughs> I, Texas is hard. There's other places that are hard. A lot of public land <clears> is hard, <throat> but I do think that with our low deer densities that we have in East Texas, paired with just the the pressure of hunting from people. Uh, when you hunt Texas public land and you you just develop some level of decency at it, you know, I'm not saying good, but just being able to do it to some proficiency, it makes you a ton better when you go elsewhere. Mm. So I haven't hunted as much or as many places as you have, but I've scouted just as many as you have. And I would say, um, you brought this up a little ago, so we'll say two <clears throat> different things here, I would imagine. But just like in recent memory... Uh, Missouri was kind of probably fairly similar to where we were. There's bigger bucks there, and the terrain isn't exactly the same, but there is some of that creek bottom type stuff that we hunt there. And I felt like the deer densities were pretty close. There wasn't a ton of deer in in the area of Missouri we were in, at least. What Mm -hmm. about you? Um, Ohio was a pretty tough map scout challenge, Mm -hmm. honestly. It was. Um, I even feel like the camera is underperforming a little bit there. Mm -hmm. that was a difficult one. Lower deer densities than I expected, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll continue to see, as, I guess, as we go. Um, and everywhere else seems to be quite a bit better. That's right. That's <laughs> I right. Mean, I don't know. It's just, uh, I haven't been to Florida, and there's probably a reason. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I, I probably will try to hunt in Florida one day, hopefully. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to hunt every state that has a whitetail in it. Yeah. But um, it's not even close to the top of priority list. So mm-hmm. it's, there's a reason that I haven't, you know, like there's a reason I've been to States that I've been to, to hunt. And it's usually because there's deer and, and or big deer, lots of deer and or big deer there. Yeah. Tyler, how long it take you to get comfy in a saddle? Ooh, depends, Ooh. On, depends on which, uh, <laughs> which instance you're talking about. I can uh, tell you this, uh, deer hunting saddles are way more comfortable than a horse saddle to me. I can promise you that. Yeah, for real. Um, the, um, the first time we hunted out of saddles was we were hunting 95 degrees. <laughs> we <already laughs> we were hunting saddles that were nine in. We were hunting in 95 degrees in saddles, and we didn't know how far. Uh... <laughs> oh man! 
I'm sorry. We didn't know how far our, you know, tether rope needed to be out. So mm-hmm. uh, we had him way out, and KC did a just straight up oh, chimpanzee around the tree, <laughs> smoked me in 95 degree temps, and then we shot a hog out of him. So, yeah. but I think it doesn't take long. It takes a few sits to realize kind of the things you need to do. Um, if you're kind of, if you tinker and you try yeah. to use logic and physics and stuff. Um, yeah. Now it's just second nature to me. Yeah. Uh, I think as far as like, if you want to, if comfort means actual feeling good and like comfortable, not hurting, I don't think it takes very long at all. Just a couple of little adjustments. Especially with the saddles we're running this year. Yeah, they are, dude. they are, I mean, truly, honestly, I've tried three different saddles on by far the most comfort, comfortable saddle, which yeah. is the cruiser the saddles. Cruiser. And which actually he, we tried four cause We've tried the two different types from Cruiser, the Archon yeah. and the XC, and everybody's different, but it seems like most of the time that XC is the way to go. Yeah. It's I mean, it's just kind of one and the same, you know, pretty yeah. much. They're both they're both comfortable. And, and if you're in Texas, by the way, yes. we're doing a scouting day slash saddle expo and everything else. We're all going to meet up and, and hang out on the 14th, and Chad from Cruiser Saddles is going to come down that day and do everything with us, and he's going to show us all about saddles and all kinds of stuff. He'll so, have saddles you can put yeah. on and stuff, you know. If you so. want to tr- test that stuff out, you want to come hang out with us, go to our website, theelementwild.com, and go sign up for that. It's in our shop or whatever. You can go there, and you also get a Element T-shirt whenever you show up for that That's as well. right. So uh, check that out. Um, let's see. How do I kill as many bucks as y'all did last year? So um, as yeah. a team, we caught, killed quite a few. Tyler killed way more than me. Um be a bum. Yeah, be a bum for sure. Have no money. <laughs> uh, spend the money you have. Figure out a way to work nine months of the year, and that would be ideal. Be willing to uh, have arguments, but uh, <laughs> to kind of diffuse them to the best of your abilities. Sounds and, like what most of us do anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, we just are blessed to be able to do what we do. And um, honestly, Onyx was a big partner of ours last year and is this year as well. And the ability for us to do those map scout challenges through their partnership mm-hmm. has been a big, big help in us understanding deer. So uh, if you want to kill as many bucks as we did last year, you could watch the map scout challenges and learn, I guess, kind of how we scout. But I can't promise you nothing. Um I can't promise you'll kill a single deer, but mm-hmm. uh, if you watch a bunch of those, hopefully you'll get better and feel a little more confident about what you do. And then, you know, go, uh, don't hunt in, you know, East Texas too much. That's a good way to kill, <laughs> kill more than one deer. Yeah. Um, this guy just searched ridges and benches and didn't find any fresh sign in mid July. Is it worth focusing on those ridges and benches during the season? I think short answer would be yes. Yeah. But uh, it is going to be relative to what's around, too. You know, I mean, if for some reason that ridge or bench is isolated and doesn't have any other deer habitat around it or any food around it, it might not be. But in general, those are good places to look. Uh, I think you find the saddle in that ridge, and if it's not got heavy hunting pressure, it's a good place to be. Yeah. Um, I would say the key word is fresh sign in mid-July. Mm-hmm. There's probably not going to be a whole lot of that. So just don't expect that, uh, and, you know, and maybe you mean fresh sign as in stuff from, you know, rubs from this year as opposed mm-hmm. to last year. And I understand. So I'm not trying to make you feel bad or whatever, but definitely not going to be very fresh looking, even if it was made in November by the time mid-July hits. So uh, just keep that in mind. Um, and also pre- hunting pressure after about 
a few days of that can really change things. So mm-hmm. definitely could be something to focus on in early November when um, deer are moving from where they currently are because of hunting pressure. So. Yeah. Uh, another feet warm <clears throat> question, which we kind of pretty much covered that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, top three YouTube channels, Tyler. Dude Perfect. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we've been watching a lot of Dude Perfect around my house. I uh, They're from Texas and... Um, I've Aggies, known about the way. I've known about them forever. I just haven't really watched their stuff, and my kids started watching it, and I was like, "Man, it's pretty funny, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty wholesome, clean, um, clean content. You know, something you can put on at the house when the kids are around and stuff too." Um, and I think also uh, Midwest Whitetail is one of my tops um, as far as hunting goes. I watch a lot of that, um, and my third one. Can you go? Can you go first? For I'll, a couple? Give, I'll give you a couple. Let me yeah, think about, you can think about it. So for me, a ton of it's gonna. I'm not gonna say Midwest again because that's one of my favorites. But Tyler just said it. So to just give y'all more options, I like uh, gardening stuff and I like uh, Bible stuff. So uh, I'll give you one of each of those. I watch a ton of. Um, fig videos on youtube so ross ratty is who i watch a lot on youtube for figs uh i watch um here lately i've been watching a lot of mike winger who is bible thinker i think on is there his a podcast in, in that winger okay, just make yeah. Sure. yeah i got a, a little bit of the uh nostrilus today so i have That's a hard good. time with pronouncing my g's uh but uh, he does a really good podcast real good youtube channel as well about uh, bible topics uh, and then a hunting one for me, not Midwest Whitetail. Mm, that's going to be kind of tough. Do you, you have your third one? I need to look and see. Uh, I got a bunch of honorable be. mentions that I'll go with. And okay. the, you may, one of these may be yours. Chris B is a good hunting yeah, channel, man. Channel. Um, I, Tyler and the tribe's got a really pretty good channel yeah, too. Cool. Uh, <laughs> hey, there we are right there. This inception. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, um, I also, um, like listening to, as far as podcasts go, mm-hmm. the Unashamed podcast quite a bit. And so I'll watch that a lot because you get to see their interactions and stuff. You That's know? the, uh, the, the, uh, duck commander guys. Yep. Duck commander guys do, do a podcast. It's really good. They preach the gospel quite a bit. So I like it. Um, um so another one, uh, hunting related, this will be my third one is, uh, John Lusk, who we actually just had on the podcast. <clears throat> he does a ton of, gear review stuff specifically broadhead and bow related so he does a ton a ton of broadheaded reviews and shoots them and really does a really good job with that go check out that podcast if you haven't because it's really good as well and then john yeah lusk archery adventures is my third one for sure we're about to uh here just not too long we're going to get to these youtube questions so if you have any questions go ahead and comment in the section right there live section so that uh you can get we're going to try to answer as many of them as we can may skip a few um and may not some of them may not pertain, uh, but anyway, KC favorite tree stand snack. Mm. Um, I have a I have an idea. I have a, I have a bunch of stuff I like. Uh, pea bottles are on the bottom of the list for sure, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you have tasted them. <laughs> yeah, don't just pee on the ground. Um, so uh, I eat a ton of trail mix. I really like trail mix a lot. <laughs> like um, a metric ton. I'm having a hard time thinking about tree stand snacks because I feel like I snack more in the, uh, like when we're doing elk hunts and stuff. But um, I eat Nutter Bars sometimes. Those are really one of my favorite things. Whether What's we're, a Nutter Bar? Like an actual Nutter Butter bar? Uh, no, like a Nutty Bar or a Nutter Bar or whatever they're called. The, they're, <laughs> they're chocolate <laughs> with sure. peanut butter on the inside. There's two of them in the sleeve. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Not a Nutter Butter. Those yeah. are good. I never get those, but when oh. you have them at camp, I, they're I hammer so them. Good. They're, they're the best, they're man. So good. It's high calorie, you yeah. know? Um, and then um, <laughs> also like savory things too, whatever you want to count, you know, breakfast tacos or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think I have like a favorite. Pop-Tarts, 100% yeah, you eat for a lot me. of Pop-Tarts, that's Just, true. Uh, blueberry and cherry would probably be my tops, and then I pretty much like every flavor. i tell you all this much. Um, the Nature Valley granola bars that everyone eats. That's what I was thinking you were going to say. They're so, I love them, but they're so noisy. It's the loudest tree snack. The, the rapper's loud. They're loud in your mouth, and you're trying to eat them. You can't hear things. Yeah, and if a guy's sitting in a camera seat next to you trying to video, he can't hear either. That's it's right. that loud. It's, it's bad. <clears throat> um, what yeah. bags do you carry your sticks in? Uh, I wore that. Is it over there? Walmart uh, sack? Um, oh. I wore the stick uh tool belt last yeah. year i uh, use that pretty much all season and i use those single step things so they fit really nicely in there yeah. uh this year i'm probably going to experiment with a couple different types of sticks and i might have to change bags or might not i don't know what about you uh the sika tool belt is what i mm-hmm. used i actually didn't carry my steps very much in the like in or on the bag i just carried them in my hand um i don't know like there was a few times i hunted pretty far in um like South Dakota, we walked probably close to a mile to get in mm-hmm. uh, the day that we both killed. But um, I just carried them in my hand. It's not that big of a deal, I don't feel like, especially if I'm only carrying three sticks, which I did a lot this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. You're I not one sticking this year? No, not much one sticking for me. I'm <laughs> I'm not too good at the persuaders and all those things. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really... Um, carry, uh, I did use that sick, uh, these are, these are bags they gave us. So it's just, when you have a nice bag given to you, you t- typically you use, use it. it, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's functional it works. Um, but the, what is that called? Cargo box box, maybe something like that. Um, it has these wings. So I just like slapped the wings on, strapped them on top mm-hmm. of the sticks. Um, so yeah, did that. Yeah. Um, out of all the guests on the podcast, I appreciate that you used an S on the end of guests. Who is your favorite? Mm, that's tough because mm. I. Have, it's hard to like think way back, right? And we just talked about John Lewis. So I'm not going to say him because I like that guy a lot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I said, but for recently, the podcast we did with Isaac Smith at Vector was actually really, really good. So Isaac, uh, we're, we're shooting Vector arrows this year. Love them. Uh, when we do get to shoot, uh, <laughs> yeah, bows. <laughs> oh, uh, I, sh- I shot them the other night. Yeah, I, I like the components. Bow. They tune super good. They're all, you know, great tolerances. And Isaac is a guy about our age. He's a believer and is just doing a, you know, a real good job running a good, honest business. And, yeah. and uh, what's cool about Isaac is that, like, you know, He's a normal dude. He's not really trying to be like up in the industry and stuff. And he wants to talk about hunting and tactics and just have a great time doing it. And mm-hmm. you know, like his story about shooting that deer from the ground on that bedding island was just bad the bone, you know? Like mm-hmm. it's just so cool, man. Anyways, uh, we job real good. We actually were on the phone with him earlier today. Uh, and so I'm going to say in recent, Isaac would be my my choice. Nice. Um, what about your least? Oh, I'm just kidding. My, I can tell you they don't they don't get aired. Uh, <laughs> oh, possum grin possum. for sure. That was a pretty bad one. Yeah, um, man. For me, my favorite guest probably Jesse Griffiths. Oh, that's hard to beat too. Um, but I mean, dude, there's mm. like there's a lot that are in that same yeah. vein. You know, um, 
um, my favorite dude to podcast with is you for sure. Aww. But uh, but Jesse <laughs> as a guest was uh, pretty hard to beat, especially now that we kind of know him pr- pretty decently well. Yeah. He um, we have a pretty good jive going on. We mm-hmm. get get on the podcast. Thought I was going to go ahead, get to eat it, die, do it tonight, but it's <sighs> not going to work out. Mm. Oh uh, yeah, you got to leave. Yeah, yeah. It. So I'm headed to San Antonio for about 18 hours this Ooh. evening after I teach class tonight. At church, so uh, five hour drive. At, at the very best, we leave at eight p.m. Not looking good for me. So, y'all keep me in your prayers this evening. Uh, <laughs> how do you keep your <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Not a soul inside. <laughs> Cause Cause looking like a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> how do you keep your phones charged? Oh, by the way, I have something to show y'all. Um, we by no means have an endorsement or anything with these folks, but mm-hmm. this is a wish. power bank from Anchor. Anchor is spelled A-N-K-E-R, kind of like Akron, but different. Yeah, and uh, they're a good deal. Uh, <laughs> so this thing takes about a day to charge, and it'll charge an iPhone like 10 times or more, and you can charge a camera with it. You can do all kinds of stuff with it. Yeah, so They run to the stand with us pretty much every all time. The time. Yeah, so. and the cool thing about these is they don't, they're not affected by cold weather, it doesn't seem. Yeah, so they do well. As cold as it, it doesn't matter. Like other batteries, you know, cold weather's When you get in on. at night, throw it on the charger on the wall mm-hmm. and let it rock and roll. All right, and that's, Tyler and I have the same answer on that. So uh, that's a good question. So, to the YouTube questions. Hello, dudes, Buckslayer. Uh, Jimmy Bradley, is the new cruise, I'm guessing he meant cruiser, probably auto-corrected for him, worth the $600 package? Um, I don't know for sure what's in the $600 package. Yeah, I don't either. Um, but I can tell you that it's probably like a full setup and a platform. So for the most part, all saddles, saddles are going to cost about the same. So you just need to find what is the most comfortable for you and what works the best for you. I can tell you uh, it's hard for me to say anything bad about any saddles, really, because they're all pretty good. Mm-hmm. The cruisers are very comfortable, though, and that is one of the things that they will – have probably up on most other companies and then after that it's just me telling you that you know chad's a good guy and he's a a great guy to deal with he's doing his best to have everything made in-house in america i mean even they're even using american steel for the the platforms and stuff which Mm -hmm. is pretty hard to make or i guess aluminum sorry but anyways metal metal metal. (laughs) and um if that package includes the um platform which is called the seeker mm-hmm. all right the seeker platform i know they're shipping a bunch of those out right now because they just got a whole bunch more made finally um and uh that thing is legit cool yeah like it's huge it's not huge but it's big it's big enough for tyler's foot That's and right. that angle on the front side is actually real nice yeah so uh i would say if you have the money to spend and you think a saddle is going to in- Absolutely increase your lethality, if I can use a fancy podcasty word. Uh, I'd say go for it. Yeah, I, w- I pretty much agree. I think just uh, it depends on how much moving around you're going to do, um, and it is worth it if you're going to be trekking in quite a bit during the season, or if you just make decent money and you want to have something that's very functional, then get a saddle. Okay, so Nomadic Slovak, uh, which I, I think he is in Europe. I think I don't know for sure, but he says get a shepherd Malions if possible. Make you get up to five miles a day in no time. Is that like a, one of those breather masks? Or I don't know. I'm gonna have to look and see what that is. We'll Google it's that. Probably later. a shepherd's pie. Uh, dude, I love shepherd's pie. That's good stuff. Uh, what up, gang? Let me know when y'all come back to OK. Got some slobs on cam. That's what I like to hear, bro. Be there anytime. Gilly suit <laughs> for the slobs. ground. He said, "Gilly suit for the ground, no question." Uh, I'm sure it probably works. I just 
sooner or later you just have too much gear and it, I'm kind of at that point. I don't really want more. Seems like uh, my bow could get hung in that thing yeah, real easy. Oh, it's kind of weird. Nice hat, S.A. is what uh, Chadwick Rice says and he spelled S.A. the, the American way. way. <laughs> uh, uh, blinds stink. Uh, ground hunting better than no hunting. Absolutely. That is a good point. Uh, Bam says, been hunting a massive deer all bow season and some dude dressed like Tyler smokes him on an opening day of gun season. <laughs> Is this real life? <laughs> no, he's just making a joke. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. uh, you guys seem to do a fair bit of rattling. Okay, real question. Thoughts on rattling with something like the black rack versus real antlers? Uh, I haven't used any fake antlers, so you, you've messed with some of that stuff a little bit, right? That black rack looks kind of hideous to me. <laughs> it, I don't know. It's weird. I think that uh, if a deer is fired up enough, it's almost like we've rattled, we've rattled them in with sticks. We got like, in with in random stuff in Iowa. Yeah, yeah. We were, I was tying up sticks, you know. I mean, so I think, uh, I don't know, like, obviously a stick has a sound that a deer has heard before, mm-hmm. but a black rack might be a little bit tinny or plasticky kind of sounding uh, compared to the real deal. Yeah. But I think, uh, I think from a distance with wind, um, you know, that it could, it could work just fine. It just well, depends on the deer's demeanor. And it also... It just depends on all the, the weather factors and stuff, too. Probably. I understand a rattle bag because it's small, but like that black rack is kind of taking up the same amount of room as a uh, regular set of antlers. Mm-hmm. So, why not just bring in regular ones if you got some? Yeah. Uh, we actually have a video on our channel that not a lot of people have watched and they should. Uh, it's called Monarch. It's one where Justin Wright, who's a friend of ours, shoots a giant buck and he uses something called the pack rack. Which is just a little tiny thing. It's yeah. kind of cool. But I think there's. Watch that video. I think there's a little. You know, there's more realism in in the real antlers, and there's a little uh, deeper tone. But I've also heard uh, from a pretty reliable source that the smaller, higher pitch stuff carries better mm-hmm. and cuts through the wind. I guess better. That was on Mark Drew on one of our podcasts. <clears throat> that's so. right. I think we. That, yeah. That's who we heard it from. Uh, okay. How many arrows do you put through the bow per day leading up to the season? Zero. Do you shoot year round? Um, I don't know, man. It depends on how much time I have. I've had years where I've shot like probably 200 a day. I shot a lot last year. And I haven't shot very much at all this year. And I'm not saying do that. Um, However, you know yourself and you know your equipment. So um, do whatever you think is best. Uh, I will say this. I would would like to shoot more. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, shooting before the season matters – as much, but no, no more than making sure you shoot during the season, because there's nothing worse than being like real busy trying to hunt a ton and then realize it's been three weeks since you've even shot an arrow. You mm-hmm. know that's a bad deal. Yeah, especially when you're crawling around on the plains for those three weeks and <sighs> yeah. your bow gets out of tune. Yeah. Um. He yeah. said he's got a ulcer on the bottom of his feet. Not good. Uh, interesting setup and look. Thanks, Cody Brown. He likes the way we look. Have y'all Thanks. hunted uh, random WMA? Uh, let me just say that we have, if you've been there, we've been there. That's the new plan. There's a couple WMA uh, questions. Uh, have you ever hunted this one? Yeah, yeah. Go go check it out. Uh, another. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, I'm fixing to record a hip-hop video. Oh, good. Um, how often do you hunt the same tree spots? Uh, do you come back to them throughout the year or are you always on the move? This is a good question mm-hmm. uh, because uh, that's got some variables. Last year, I think about a spot that I hunted a ton the last two weeks of deer season in Texas uh, because I was kind of out of time and that was by far the best um, 
encounters I was having in the same spot. So it's kind of like, well, we're pushing it towards the end of season. Why not just burn this thing out for everything it's got? So I hunted not really the same stand, but the same at least, I don't know, 10 acres or so probably, um, pretty much for two weeks straight, uh, you know, skipping some days in there, but probably 10 hunts, something like that. Uh, if we are in a different state and we're on a trip, I think on the move is the way to go. I think South Dakota last year, we didn't hunt the same place twice. Yeah. We also had a lot of different winds. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that probably changes things for me is like, if you, so like I killed a deer called One-Eyed Jack, I hunted five days out of the same, basically the same stand for him. And I think if you've got a pretty foolproof entry access, um, you're keeping the wind off the deer and off, and maybe even like out of the woods for the most part, um, then I, I say if you've got pictures of deer uh, in that area that you want to shoot, then keep going back. And especially if they continue to, you continue to see pictures of deer, you know, throughout the days while you're hunting there or whatever. Um, we do hunt uh, the same like trees a lot, but like throughout the season in different areas. So like we may hunt, uh, early October or mid October in a spot on Texas public, and then we'll come back and be hunting in December, early December or something like that. And usually that's because we've gone in and we've scouted these areas and we found out that this spot is the, the best spot to kill a deer on this parcel or, you know, in this particular area on this parcel, this is the tree to kill them out of. So we feel pretty good about it. And Usually, if we see deer behave the way we want them to, they don't they don't wind us. Then it all worked right. You just didn't have the right deer come by. So, mm-hmm. um, I'd say you know those are kind of some of the factors that um, would would help you to decide whether to continue hunting the same exact spot. Um, this is a good question. How do you think the polar vortex in February is going to affect the acorn crop and deer this season? Zach Farnball, I know. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Good yeah. question, Zach. Um, you talked about this a while ago. Yeah. Um, I am not seeing very many, I've seen a lot of does with no fawns. I've only seen one fawn this year, but I've seen a lot of does and we just did a trail camera survey video we're going to put out here pretty soon. Um, and lots of does in that, in those trail camera pictures. I mean, groups of three and four does and no fawns. And I don't know for sure that they can't get in to where this corn is, but we didn't even see them on the outside or anything, really. We didn't notice them. So I kind of worry that those uh, does had a lot of miscarriages during the polar vortex this year. Um, as far as acorns go, what do you think? Uh, I know we saw a ton of acorns on a willow oak out there a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that um, I think the trees that are sheltered inside of wooded areas hardly had any effect but I, I know that trees that are standalone or on the north or west sides of timber stands, um, they got hammered hard. Like there's a red oak in my front yard that was a huge red oak, and like it hardly has any leaves on it at all because all the exterior branches died. Mm-hmm. So I think that there will still be – like I don't think massive crops of acorns got affected, but I think that like – certain locations got affected yeah as far as the the polar vortex goes i don't i don't know about the the deer itself i mean tyler makes a good point but i haven't really seen too much on that casey's Um, getting tired because he hasn't had food all day yeah Um, somebody say that already no okay um we're we're gonna so we're gonna fly through these last ones um how do you deal with hogs 
a major problem that northern states don't have? Um, box them. them out. Yeah, yeah, you got a good point on that too. Build a build a pen, shoot them when you can. Uh, learn to live with them. I mean, we had problems with them last year on public land, running deer off. Yeah, and, and it was uh, it's not fun, but I don't know. It's just it is what it is. Yeah, situational. Uh, um, what tree arm do you guys use when saddle hunting? Uh, we're going to mix, mess with that a little bit. We've been using fourth arrows for a while. We're going to use some more of their other stuff this year too. Uh, can pig just, behavior we affect use, the rut? We use, uh, we're going to be messing with a triple arm this year mm. a little bit. Uh, we've been using just a double arm, which is like a single joint or whatever. And then place it goes in the shoulder mm-hmm. and they're kind of long. They're hard to get under your bridge. So we're going to see if this triple arm is better. I don't like the triple arm cause it doesn't have a lot of control unless you're actually like grabbing the camera body sometimes. Mm-hmm. And still it's kind of can do a lot of this stuff, which you can't see unless you're watching a YouTube video. But, um, the double arm has more control, um, for me when I'm self-filming. So, but we're going to try the triple arm because I'm thinking of going to the bridge and we'll see. We'll let you know more about that. Yeah. Um, the pigs affect the rut. I would say no. Deer are going to breed no matter what, but they can't affect your hunts. What foods do bucks switch to post-rut? The best thing I can think of is winter wheat is a thing around here. If you're talking about Texas. Oh, yeah. Rut in Texas. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah, winter wheat, winter wheat around here is probably a big deal. Um, um, also, red oak, red oak acorns like yeah. willow oaks, swamp oaks, um, those tend to be a December food source we've seen in the past. Yep. Um, well, let's answer this one that way we get out of the way. Uh, Casey, how do you feel about Texas joining the oh, SEC? Sorry. Bring them on. I will punch them in the mouth. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Uh, also, also, as far as uh, late, uh, late season Texas food sources, I just wanted to mention privet. Berries have we seen been yeah. hammered, and we also have seen honeysuckle get hammered. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, Outdoor Roads has a question. Haven't seen any hogs on public in Florida last year, but could not get away from the bears. I luckily killed four bucks. All right, that's not a wow. question. You didn't ask you questions. Uh, <laughs> uh, are those actually real coordinates you're showing in your videos? I mean, I suppose if they're coordinates, they're real. Um, um, I don't know if they're the actual locations, I mean, but I don't know. I, is he talking about the map scout challenge we just know. released? I don't think we showed any coordinates in that, did we? I don't remember. I, don't remember. I mean, we we show everything in the map scout challenge. So yeah. if that's what you're talking about, for sure. How do you talk your old lady and letting you go out of town and hunt all the time? <laughs> I don't talk her into Tell her what I'm doing. I'm He's a got man. a young lady actually, <laughs> so right. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I think that's uh, it's definitely something that you are going to have to encounter and figure out. What to do because everyone's old lady is different. Yeah. Right? Well, that's about gonna wrap us up. Uh, thanks for all the questions, guys. Um, you can continue submitting through any of our social media platforms yeah. and the DMs or the message inbox. Um, you can also email to us the website, which is another place that you can find your ticket to go scout the Hagerman and hang out with Chad Rice at Cruiser mm-hmm. Saddles here in about two weeks. And then um, also make sure that you're subscribed if you're here on YouTube doing this thing with us. Um, and if you're on the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well if you're a new yeah. listener. We appreciate all you guys. And remember, this is your element. Living it. Cool. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. 
They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. 